What if I just stood here and didn't say anything for like the next minute or two? What would that be like? Should we try it this time? No? Okay. Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, a couple of other announcements today. Stephen did a pretty good job, but, um, but still there's a couple things he left out. Next week, that one service, there's no Sunday school. So 10 o'clock, there's nursery, but no Sunday school. And then Christmas caroling. So we've got our lessons and carols this morning, but we have Christmas caroling tonight. Uh, so if you had signed up for that already, you've got your instructions, right, where your group is meeting. But there is a group meeting here at the church at 5 o'clock. So if the Spirit moves that you want to join in with caroling, if you get here just before 5 o'clock, you'll be in good shape as we go out and carol this evening. Lessons and carols. Every year in Advent, we celebrate this service, going through these nine lessons and pairing them with songs uh, that we might rehearse this great story. And it's the great story of Christmas, but if you rightly understand the Christmas story, it's no different than this whole story the Bible's telling. There's one story, whether you call it the story of Christmas and Advent and God's coming to us in our waiting, if you call it the story of redemption, if you call it the good news, if you call it the news of the kingdom, whatever, however you want to phrase it, this is the story of God's coming to be with his people, to proclaim and establish his peace and his favor with us, that we might walk in right relationship with God, ourselves, and with one another and the world around us. We started with the candle lighting and the reading of Isaiah. That the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. That the light has dawned upon them and the darkness shall not overcome that light. And we learn about our own story that there will still be darkness though the light has dawned. But it shall not win out. The light of life that has come into our world is always coming even in our waiting, even in our darkness even in our ordinary, even when in our brokenness. And so this is the story that we celebrate here at Easter. Again, no different than the foundations of our faith throughout the year, the story of God's coming to us and our response to his coming in grace. And so after Isaiah, we looked at the story of the curse and fall into sin and brokenness. And so it's an encouragement to you that Christmas morning, Next Saturday, you get up, and maybe there's kids wherever you're going to wake up, and, and they're going to gather together, and you're going to tell them the Christmas story that cursed are you to crawl on your belly, be cursed amongst all the animals. Cursed are you to bring forth children in the pain of childbirth. Cursed are you to toil away in work, laboring for your food, longing to love one another, and yet experiencing brokenness in your relationships. This is the Christmas story too, because it's the story of the seed of the woman who comes to crush the serpent's head, who comes to find us when we've hidden in our nakedness, who comes to meet us in our fear and terror and speak his word of peace. I love this service because as you read through the Bible in the context of this Christmas story, you can see that the whole thing, Genesis to Revelation, is pointing to Jesus. 
It gives us a new lease on life as we interact and read the Bible and let the Bible read us to come to see all of the stories in light of Jesus coming. God's grace coming to be with us intimately, to forgive us, to meet our needs, to speak his peace, his presence, his glory into us, even in the darkness, even in the ordinary places. And so as we follow along and listen to the stories today, one of the things that I hope that we learn to do is that we learn to listen. We learn to see and hear. The few verses after the passage that that Susie just recited for us, Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. We're going to look at these verses together. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there but it's also going to be printed here on the screen behind us. And we're going to see what happens after the good news is proclaimed by the angels. After the shepherds go and see the baby, what happens next? Luke 2, 17 through 20. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week in the Advent devotional, maybe you've been following along, Uh, In our Tuesday midday prayer time, as we met together, we reflected on this passage. And I was struck by the phrase, the shepherds returned. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds returned. When you think about God's voice coming to proclaim his peace and hope to us, where does he speak it? From who does he speak that word to you? What is the word that he speaks and how can it shape and transform you the way it shaped these shepherds? Going into the week, I'm not sure how I felt about the shepherds. Uh, they're not like prime characters. Yeah, they're in the nativity set. They're in most nativity sets. I don't know that they're in all the nativity sets. Uh, But something that's curious about them is that these shepherds in the nativity scene, they always look so wise, so stoic. They've got the nice long groomed beards. They don't have any thorns or thistles in their hair and, and, and on their clothing. And if you've ever spent time out in the woods or the wilderness, you know that you don't look like that when you get back. And what we have to understand about this passage here and the significance of it is that although we've grown desensitized to the shepherds being there amongst everyone else, that would have been peculiar and strange in the first century. You see, in Israel in the first century, there were all kinds of laws about coming into God's house, about meeting with God, where you had to keep yourself clean. You couldn't touch dead animals. You had to wash a certain amount of times. You could not associate with wild things. And so for the shepherds who spent weeks or months on end outside the city, out in the wilderness, 
taking care of their animals. They were to be seen as unclean, unfit to come into God's presence to hear his word and his proclamation. Not only that, but the shepherds were not to be trusted. Those wild guys who lived out there in the wilderness, their testimony was not even admissible in court. They were like the L.A. Dodger fans of their time, untrustworthy and uncapped. You tell Graham I said that too. Okay. And yet the word comes to them. In the field nearby, out on the edge, no expectation of participating in the life of God or the story of God. And they're moved to the center of the story to become the first witnesses. It says they get, went and everyone they saw, they told them about the child and all they had experienced. From the outskirts of town to the center of the story, they're made the first witnesses, the first preachers, the first proclaimers, the first followers in this story. It wasn't about their cleanliness or their worthiness. Surely they were not anticipating meeting with God and being used by God in this way. They were living their ordinary lives. Going to work. Taking care of the sheep. Wondering when they might come home. And that's where God comes and speaks to them. In their uncleanliness in their unworthiness, and even just in their ordinary place out in the field. The pageantry of the Christmas story and the, the spectacle of it, when you just take the birth of Jesus, there's a lot of supernatural activity going on. And so it's nice to celebrate it and the sentiment of it, but then we have to return to normalcy to the activities of the days and weeks ahead, to finish shopping, to spend time with friend, friends and family. For some reason, every Christmas break, I clean out my garage. You're going to go back after today, after we, we've sung these great songs and we've read the story, and you're going to go back to the ordinary with no expectation that God's going to speak his word of peace to you there. And yet that's exactly where he speaks it to us. Some people may want to hear from the Lord. There's been times in my life where I'm like, I really wish you would appear to me, God, because if you don't, I think maybe I'm done. I'm just so angry. I'm so hurt. I'm so sad. I'm so confused. I'm so lonely. Or I just think it would be neat. And maybe you've had experiences like that where you just long for him to show up, to see an angel, to see something that moves you. And you hear this Christmas story, this spectacular setting in nature, and you're like, "What? if that would happen to me, I'd be okay. But the story is not that God meets us spectacularly. He meets us in some other world, in some other space, but that he comes into our ordinary life. You see, the angels got, or the shepherds got to have angels come and speak peace to them. But for everybody else, they got a shepherd. 
to come and tell the story, to come and share the experience, to come and share the wonder with them, and to say, the angel spoke peace to me and God's favor to me, unclean, out there, with no hope or expectation that he was going to come. And because of that, they were amazed to tell their story. Another thing that struck me from this passage, verses 17 and 18, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary had already seen an angel. Mary knew where this baby did and didn't come from who is now in her arms. Mary knew the miraculous story of another angel appearing to Joseph and an angel appearing to, uh, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, her cousin. And yet when the shepherds show up, when they run in from the fields to bend the knee and worship this child, it says, more than amazed, she treasured these things in her heart. She pondered them. What it means to ponder and treasure these things means to let this story and the witness of the shepherds and the ordinary testimony that they came to give, to wrestle with it and to receive it at face value, but to work out its implications. All of these things in her story, Mary absolutely being in the center of Jesus' life and story coming into the world, she treasures and ponders. Because for her, after the visitors left, the baby was going to need to be fed and then sleep. The house was going to need to be cleaned. They were going to need to return home. Later on in life, they were going to need to hear a word that was confusing and disorienting that they needed to flee to, to Egypt. They were going to go to a, a wedding and everybody was going to be sad, disappointed that they had run out of wine. She was going to see her son crucified. And all the ordinary and the extraordinary events of her life, she had the words of shepherds the faith and proclamation of peace as a treasure in her heart. To make connections and understand God's light coming into the darkness, His peace and favor coming to the people. So that when she faced the ordinary or the broken things in her life, she could listen for the Lord. She could see God move. Like we already said, we're going to go into ordinary things this week. We're going to spend time with family, which may mean for you picking up conflict. For me, it means entering into the reality of, of, of failing health for my parents. It means continuing to mourn the loss of my sister. It's going to mean so many things to go back there and and two, to talk about vaccines and talk about uh, cream cheese shortages and, and all kinds of stuff. And when we go in there, we may not see the extraordinary proclamation of peace. 
Forgiveness may not abound. Understanding and unity may not be there. But even in the yearning and the longing that things would be better, God's glory, the truth of all that we can read about and see here, is going to be made known. When the shepherds go back to the ordinary, they return differently. Anything but ordinary. They return glorifying and praising God. Why? Because everything that they heard and saw. All these wild promises and tie-ins that were proclaimed to them were just as they had been told. When we face darkness and we need light, it's just as we were told. When we feel that sense of unworthiness and uncleanliness, like God couldn't reach us and he does, it's just as we were told. When we become invited to go and share the message with others, to give witness even in the confusion to have hope in the darkness, to go back and just talk ordinarily with people and share our lives. All of that is just as they were told. So our invitation this week is not to go out and just wait in the field till the angel comes. Because God's word has already come to us in Jesus. He's coming to meet with us. This Christmas story is even this week in the work you've got to do, the conversations to have, the needs and weariness that you feel, whatever you encounter. God speaks his word of peace there because in all these promises, the Lord has come. Amen. After Jesus was born, Bethlehem Village, Judah Territory, a band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. This is during Herod's kingship. They asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We are on pilgrimage to worship him. When news of their inquiry reached Herod, he was terrified. And not only Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religion scholars in the city and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They told him, Bethlehem, in Judah territory, the prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's you, O Bethlehem, Judah territory no longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the leader who will shepherd, rule my people, my Israel. And then Herod arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. And then he told them 
the prophecy about Bethlehem. <clears throat> Go, find this child, leave no stone unturned. And when you find him, send word, and I will join you at once in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. And then they saw the star again, same star they had seen in the eastern sky. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at exactly the right time. Upon entering, they saw the baby in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. And then, they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Friends, as we prepare to come to the table, I invite you to join with me as we confess our sins and receive God's pardon and forgiveness. O promised Christ, we are a world at war. Our peace depends on your coming. We are a sinful people. Our pardon depends on your coming. We are full of good intentions, but weak at keeping promises. Our only hope of doing God's will is that you should come and help us do it. Lord Christ, word made flesh. Our world waits for your peace, for your pardon, and for your grace. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Friends, receive now the assurance of pardon. This is the good news of the Advent season, of the Christmas story, of the gospel, and the story the Bible tells from Genesis to Revelation, that forgiveness of sin and new life has come to you in Jesus Christ our Lord. God has come to his people and set, uh, uh, come to his people, setting us free to love and serve the world in the name of our Redeemer. Beloved, in Christ our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We come to this table because God has come to us. Just like we just confessed and heard in the assurance of pardon, if God doesn't come to us, peace could not be ours. If light doesn't come in the darkness, we won't be able to see, to move, to love, to have our being, and yet God has come. And so we come to the table because he has come to us. We come receiving these elements 
the wine and the bread to nourish us and have a taste of his peace and goodwill through Christ our Lord. We don't come in our own worthiness, but we come in our need and in the faith and assurance that he meets us there. So if that's the profession of faith in your heart this morning, I invite you to come and to feast this morning together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples in the upper room. And after giving thanks, he blessed the bread and broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat of it. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine. After giving thanks, he blessed it and gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Poured out for the forgiveness of sins, drink of it, all of you. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So together this morning, we proclaim the mystery of the faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Those who are assisting me will please come forward. There are two ways to take communion. In the back, there's individual cups with crackers and uh, juice or wine. So you can get some back there, or you can come in two.